it's me, the sun-soaked tropical hotel looking for a companion who enjoys short walks to sandy beaches and exotic bird sightings. My only weakness? You'll never want to leave me. Download the Hotels app to find me, your perfect somewhere. It's so nice out there. From sunny Mexican markets to sleepy Greek waves. And when you go as an Expedia member, you save more on the things that matter. Expedia. Made to travel. Terms apply. See site for details. Good evening, Honey Hole Hangout. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. We are the collaboration of four outdoorsmen who somehow afforded podcast equipment and hit figured out how to release content on the internet. These are our stories, opinions, and perceptions of outdoor pursuits in the sporting world. We have a great guest today who is... There's a bee flying around land. Yeah, head. I know. I'm allergic, too. So you that would your, be a real exciting podcast if got, I got stung on you air. You got your EpiPen ready? No, I don't have it with me. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> nice. Is that a bee or is it a thing? Yellow jacket. Oh, those are the worst. All right, keep on going, Landon. Don't I'll say. <laughs> so, uh, Cliff, will you introduce our guest today? Yes. Yeah, so, today we have the one, the only, Joe Briscoe of JB Custom Calls. Did I pronounce your last name right? You got it right. Briscoe, just like Dolph. So without the money, Joe is going to uh, hang out with us for the whole podcast, and then uh, once we get through our regular uh, beginning podcast stuff, we're going to talk to him about duck calls and guitars. Yep, I learned today that you also make guitars. There's one. So first thing we'll hop right into uh, is our whiskey review. Today we are drinking uh, a gift from Gabe. It is the New Riff 111 proof single barrel. He gave it to to us in these micro glasses, so we don't know what the bottle looks like. But I've been sipping on it for about half an hour now, and it's pretty dang good. For 111 proof, it goes down surprisingly smooth. Right, and there's like this, there's a different flavor profile that's normal. That's not normally in a bourbon. Yeah, it's pretty complex. I like it. I like it a lot. It's very good. I can understand why he didn't want to give us the bottle, given our history of accidentally drinking whole bottles that he gives us that were meant for only tastings. And we didn't, yeah, so good. We're, we're sorry. We messed up. Um, we done goof. Yep. Joe, uh, Joe what are you drinking? Because I know you're drinking on something. I'm drinking, let's see, Red Breast Single Pot Still Irish Whiskey, 12 year. We're gonna this have to stuff get... is very, very smooth. It has a, doesn't have a bite at all. And it has a fruity type of flavor on the way down. Believe it or not. Uh, what is one of those? Are the, are those bottles pretty easy to find at your local yeah. store? And what yeah. what's the cost on one of those bottles? That right there, the twelve years, uh, right around fifty five dollars. Okay. Okay. The uh, the fifteen year, I, I believe, is like eighty five dollars. But that that stuff is so good that I just stick with it. Yeah. Do you, you think know? it's better than the fifteen year? I don't know. I hadn't drank the okay. and I don't feel like paying for it. <laughs> but, but I will pay eighty-five dollars for stuff. Yeah, that Balvini. <laughs> we've had it on the podcast before, oh, and it man. is very good. Yeah, it is fabulous. Yeah, best scotch I've ever drank. Yeah, it's very good, and I think it's Evan's favorite too. 
So, uh, what did you guys do over the weekend? You went to a concert, didn't you, Zach? Yeah, Monday night. Monday night? Yeah. Uh, but you were supposed to go to a concert in Houston. I was supposed to go to a concert in Houston, but I wasn't feeling well, and we didn't feel like we couldn't really go to Houston, and um, so we just kind of did nothing all weekend. Okay. Did but you do... Oh, go ahead, Zach. I was I went to a concert Monday night. Who did you go see? Lucy Dacus, who's like indie, indie rock. Was she good? Just great. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, Cliff, did you do anything outside this weekend? I did. I spent all day Saturday building flight pins up in Lometa again. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Super hot. Uh, we're almost done. We just want to add in some trap doors to the bottom of the long pins to run into uh, a pin that goes across the backside of all of them so that if we're changing out birds, we can run them into one and then run them into another pen so we can move them around easier. Okay. And I got to still go in and uh, seam up some chicken wire just to kind of make sure it's all connected so nothing can sneak out later. Mm. Are they hunting already? No. Uh, opening season is going to be, I believe, October 20-something do is they, their one-box tournament. Do they do... Um, uh, dove hunts up there? They don't do dove, but they do quail. Okay. Have they had any dove up there? Because everyone I've talked to has not been seeing Oh, we any saw, dove. I saw dove all day long up there, but it, we weren't hunting. Okay. Consistent, like, big numbers, like one or two here, one or two there? You probably could have limited. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah, because we, everyone I've talked to at work, all my guys at work, dove like, hunt. It's the worst season. Yeah, no one's, like, shooting I don't Any think birds. I don't think that birds have came south. I don't think that we've had that. We I mean we just dropped down to cooler temperature last night. Yeah. Well, I think it's a mix of that, and I I'm just guessing, but I'm assuming the freeze might have really impacted our numbers too. Mm, I don't think so. You, you I have, would t- I would tell you that the the tropical storm had the biggest effect. You think so? Because we so. had fifty to one hundred and forty mile an hour gusts. Literally, uh-huh. during this during that tropical storm, everything bailed out. If you go down the King Ranch, you'll probably shoot a limit about ten minutes. Really? Okay. Hmm. You think? Do you think a cold front, a good cold front, will push more down? I think so. I think you'll see those northern doves that are larger in size. I mean, what what you see around here at the beginning of North Zone is usually. You know, they're egg yolks, we call them. I mean, they're first-year birds. They don't even hardly have any tail feathers. Uh, but later on into it, you will, yeah. Probably the second front is when you'll see that big influx. Yeah. A bigger dove. Yeah. No, yeah. That'll be good. We'll have to go out and try hunting again because I haven't shot a dove this year, and it feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've only been able to go out once for dove, but. Boys, I got. A five-year-old Springer hadn't seen a dove yet. Mm. Oh, dang. If the last five years, we get a torrential rain, and they're out of here. Mm-hmm. So, wait, wait, up here? Nah. Where are you at, Joe? Where are you out of? I'm I'm 40 miles east of Houston in a little place called Cove. We have 605 souls here, and which is really... Close to Mont Bellevue, if you know where Mont Bellevue okay. is, that's where I. Okay. Yeah, if that helps. Okay. So this weekend I did the Real Recovery Retreat. Yeah. How was that? And I don't think I've talked much about Real Recovery, so I'm going to give a quick spiel mm. on it, real quick. Real Recovery is an organization that takes men that have or have had cancer 
on free fly fishing retreats where they get to learn how to fish and they get group counseling. Um, That's awesome. I will say that it is, uh, and I think Zach will agree with my sentiment, it is probably my favorite weekend of the year. It's it's, honestly, it's the best weekend for sure. Yeah. Um, because of the impact that you get to make on these guys. These guys come from all walks of life, and they come together, and they get really good counseling, which on this retreat they had a smaller group because of COVID. And uh, from what I understand, the group counseling, uh, they call them Courageous Conversations at Real Recovery, was fantastic. Um, The cool thing about this event, every participant that goes, uh, they get a fishing buddy that fishes with them the whole weekend. Like one-on-one. One-on-one. They get to hang That's out. That's awesome. It, it's just, it's an awesome organization. Yeah, and um, then like you get, you have like a fly tying group. So like I've tied flies uh, for a lot of the guys or taught them how to tie flies yeah. over there. And it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's completely free for the participants and it's volunteer run. I mean, everyone from the coordinators down are volunteers. And usually there's, you know, double the amount of volunteers that there are participants, the amount of people that are willing to hop in and help out, put these events on is just incredible. So, and every time I go on a retreat, I think it couldn't get better. And then every retreat, I'm like, man, this retreat, like it just keeps getting better and better. And uh, we just had a great time from the fishing buddy perspective. I actually wasn't a fishing. This is my first retreat, not being a fishing buddy. I was a coordinator in training. So I was uh, following Asher, who was the fishing buddy coordinator, and seeing what his job was because I'm going to be coordinating the fishing buddies for the spring retreat. So my role was a little different than normal. Man, if you guys, if if you are someone who is interested in volunteering or something like that, reach out to us because they're always looking for more volunteers. It takes a lot of work to put these retreats on. Or if you're someone that has or has had cancer, you should absolutely 100% go on those retreats. It's free. All you have to do is get there and have a doctor sign a note that says you're good to do it. But uh, everyone that goes on the retreat just leaves the most positive reviews. And it's life-changing for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And, and they talk about that at the end when everyone's together as a group. It's just really cool. So uh, you guys check it out if you haven't. We just had the best time. The fishing buddies get to hang out while those guys are in counseling. So we have a good time as fishing buddies, just hanging out, talking. Um, We all stay together in one place. It's just a good time. So I highly recommend that you guys look into it, either from the participant side if you have cancer or uh, if you want to volunteer in some way, let us know. Or let me know because I'm coordinating the fishing buddies. So reach out to me directly. Yeah, I can't say enough about real recovery. No, I was so bummed when I couldn't go. Because we had that, we've had this plan for like six months. Yeah. And, um, but even then, I ended up not feeling well, but I wouldn't have felt comfortable going anyways because of the, them being immunocompromised and stuff. But. Yeah. They had said that I think they've almost put 500 people through retreats in Texas, yeah. which is just incredible. Oh, yeah, fantastic. And uh, I, I can't even say enough good things about it. Uh, it's so fun to do. Carson came and helped out my younger brother. I saw brother. Carson came. He, he did great as a fishing buddy. He enjoyed it. Yeah, he enjoyed it. Oh, the fishing uh, was the best retreat I've ever been to. Like almost all the guys had caught like a dozen fish the first morning, which is unheard. Because I feel like every time we've done it in the past, it's a struggle. Everyone catches maybe two. Yeah, you know, like you're lucky if everyone catches one. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's usually a struggle, but the river flows were perfect. Yeah. And all the guys were mobile, too, because a lot of the, some of these guys come on the retreat. They have stage four cancer. They honestly, like, I get notifications that, you know, guys on certain retreats have passed away. 
um, wow. because they send us those updates because they want to keep everybody involved. A lot of these guys are not very mobile and they have a hard time. But, uh, you know, this group, they were very mobile. They bonded really well. They all caught fish. We tied one guy. Um, uh, I think two guys actually tied flies on Saturday afternoon and then caught fish on their own flies on Sunday. Oh, that's awesome. So it was just that is cool. It, it was just a great time. Yeah. And so if you guys are interested in volunteering or you want to go on a retreat or you have someone in your life who has had cancer, Send them my way. I'll get them hooked up to go on one of these retreats because it's just it's just incredible. And then we're also we're in the talkings of doing a uh, fundraiser for them as well. Yeah. So more info will be coming on that soon. I'm in. Okay. Perfect. I'm in. Okay. I'm gonna host I'm, to I'm, that. Yeah. Not not to not to steal your thunder. I'm involved with uh, a, an organization called uh, Bandit Brigade. Okay. Uh, Brad Davis started it. Brad Davis played for the Dynamo professional soccer, uh, played on the World Cup team that went to Brazil, and this is a big deal to him. So for him, it's – they've talked people off the ledge, man. It's mainly for volunteers that were overseas and just have really bad possibilities of having PTSD, mm. things like that, and I'm extremely involved in that. Uh, Brad and I are close, and uh, you know I, I don't mind when they call me. I go down and I shake every hand of everybody, every veteran that's there. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. And no. I say thank you so much for your service. It's hard to get through without me crying. Yeah. You know? Real recovery is the Isn't same way. Yeah. Uh, really. When they do the closing ceremonies, it's just super emotional, and you can just tell how much this weekend meant to these guys, um, and how like. Honestly, as men, we have a hard time opening up and telling people what we're going through and watching, like, these guys open up and actually be able to say, like, I've never talked to anybody about what I've been going through. And then for me to come here and be able to talk about it, just like a relief off my shoulders. So I would love to get my dad there. He has beat three different cancers the last 18 months. But he's, he's 86, and it's just... It's too tough for him to to get around. I'm gonna take him to the what we call the pond right here behind the house. Mm -hmm. It's a cooling pond and they've got some fifty inch redfish in there, so I'm gonna let him light into one of those. Yeah. Well I hate a lot of fun. You know, he, I, a lot of people go on the retreats that have like mobility issues and stuff like that. So if we can get yeah. him on a retreat I would say yeah. absolutely let's do it. Yep. And at the and, place we go and, to they have different op options. For it is I told him, I said, we're going to fish one more time. I mean, there was a guy ahead of us, what's today, Wednesday? So there was a guy ahead of us at the hospital on Tuesday. He has to get infusions now, electrolyte infusions. And he was 92. And I said, Dad, look at that guy get around. He's 92. You know, I said, you're six years younger than him. And this ought to be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, I don't know. I, I would love to, to get him out and get him fishing again, and I will. But it's it's difficult. He's yeah. stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. Men are. <laughs> well, I come with reason. He comes with no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reasonable, but he's not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, real recovery. Reach out. 
A hundred percent. And one thing too, uh, one other quick note, Real Recovery does a, uh, they're a cancer organization, but at the Waring Retreat, which is near San Antonio. And uh, one thing too, Joe, there are Houston yeah. retreats. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah okay. there's retreats in Houston. They actually do it at in Navasota. And uh, yeah. the pond that they fish is way more accessible than what we fish here. So that might, if you can get them on one of those retreats, uh, that might be actually the way to go now that I think about it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just hard for him to make that trip because he stiffens up real yeah, bad. Yeah. That's, uh, that's two hours from us, and yeah. then another 30 minutes is that junk hole that wears maroon and white. So <laughs> I know how far it is. The wearing retreat, they do two treats, retreats a year, and one retreat is for men with cancer. Anybody can come. The other retreat is veterans with cancer. So if you're a veteran, that's, then they that's do huge. You yeah. more veterans. More veteran-specific things. I think the wearing retreat is the only place they do that. Has, so. Yeah. Ha, what, is it the fall one or the spring one that's veteran? It's the, uh, right now, they're not distinguishing them okay. because of COVID. Like and this was their first retreat me. in like a year and a half that's because right. these guys are extremely high risk and they have sure. to take extra precautions because of COVID. Uh, so right now, they're not distinguishing them, but maybe next year. They might implement The spring retreat, my understanding is that it's not specific, but so maybe the fall retreat, they'll do a veterans only. Yeah. But whether you're a veteran or whether you're not, just getting on a retreat, it doesn't have to be a veteran-specific retreat. Like half the guys on this retreat were veterans, and they all clicked instantly. You know, yeah. there's an Air Force guy and a Navy guy. That's awesome. So, yeah. Please, please reach out when you are going to have a fundraiser, and I will get you. Whatever you need, put it in a silent auction. That's where you're going to make the most money with it. Okay. And I know it's all going to a good cause. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll keep you in the loop on that, And joke. we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. and thank you so much. That's Please. extremely oh, hey, generous. Man. You know, my dad's a veteran. My uncle's a veteran. If uh, you're towards New Braunfels, my cousin's a veteran that owns two smoothie stores. <laughs> so it's, yeah. It, it runs in the blood. Yeah. Thank you. Um, did you guys do anything else this weekend or anything else recently that we need to inform our listeners of? Nope. Nope. All right. Uh, yeah, but I, I do have one more thing. Oh, if yeah. Cliff has to, a surprise for if us. If we're going to sw- start switching gears, yeah. we yeah. have another tasting for us. Okay. Oh, okay. What is the tasting of? It's something made specially for us. Take a look at that. Oh. What? So, Jack Carlisle, our buddy. Oh, uh-huh. cool. Our buddy who, he lived here for a while and then moved to Nashville. I see he's in Tennessee now. Yes. Wait, Jack sent this? Jack sent this. Why did he wait, message wait, wait. you? Let me see, let me I see. messaged him about it. <laughs> <laughs> he only sent one bottle? <laughs> he sent one bottle. I, I paid him for it. Okay, okay. But he what, made you came by three? <laughs> Uh, as well, uh, I'll read the after everyone tries it. I will read what is all what it's all about. Okay, <laughs> that is so cool. This, we're gonna show, have to take a picture show of this. on the camera. So yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, guys. this is so, fantastic. Take your take somebody your looking out for y'all on that. When you said there was a surprise for the podcast and it was edible, I hot sauce did not come to mind. No, <laughs> take your take your cracker. I want to touch what you're gonna eat. I'm trying to open it. One second. I'll I'll do, I'll do that. So you haven't tried this either. Obviously. I have not. Uh, it came in Saturday, and I have been dying to try it. Uh-huh. Thanks, Jack. We yeah. miss you, buddy. 
And thanks, Cliff. This is a great yeah. idea. <laughs> also, he I, has uh, Willie Nelson but, tickets if you want to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go see Willie. I had Willie Nelson tickets. I don't know how much longer he can live. No, I know. But uh, I'll go see Willie. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. uncle went and saw him in New Braunfels not long ago. I think that's where the concert's at. He likes to play at that uh, oh. Whitewater yeah, Amphitheater. That's where it's at. Yeah. Grant, he was nice. at Green. Green. He was oh, okay. at Green. Oh, that's yeah. a good Seeing him at too. Green Hall would yeah. be great. So, you, Cliff, you said he sent a note as well. He did, and I'm going to read the note after we try it. Oh, is this a hot sauce? We should just put like a tiny, yeah, tiny do not, Yeah, do not overdo. Okay. So is this stuff for sale? Does he have a website? Does he? Uh, you got to message him. I'd love him. to try it. You got to message him directly. I will. Uh, I'll Ooh. get you in contact with him. Have you tried it? No. There's a little spot on my finger, and I licked my finger, and it hit immediately. And it was just a little speck. So nor- normally we do not eat on the podcast because it bugs is me. inconsiderate. You got really jamming. Nobody wants to hear us chew. We're not an ASMR. We could be an ASMR one. Did you get some? All right. No, not yet. I think it's cold. It's Slam very, it. Slam yeah, it. He told me to put it in the refrigerator. Jack, that's not Ooh. a good idea. Refrigerator man will just exaggerate it. What about it? Maybe he's trying to torture us. Is that what <laughs> just, the deal is? Just by opening the bottle? Oh, there you oh, go. There you, you got go, Cliff. Oh, well, I feel like i got to add a little more. Okay, let me see. Let me see. All okay. right. I want to get on the board. It does, have a, it does have a kick from what off. You want a drum roll or what? Okay. Yes, please. Yeah, drum roll. <laughs> All right, Jack. So we're trying, <laughs> we're trying your honey hole hot sauce that the you made for us. Hot sauce. All right, you guys ready? All right, three, two, one. Man, you should have had an oyster go with that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I use that with an oyster. So on a cracker, it's extremely muted. Yeah, but I'm I'm fearful because put a little on your finger. Yeah, put a little on your finger. Ooh. Not on your lips, man. Put it on your tongue. <laughs> you have a blister there tomorrow. <laughs> it's got a kick. That's good. It's very it good. It is though. very good. Dude. Right. It is very good. And that it's got is a good some, kick. That is some bomb hot sauce. So this is the so note. From, compare it to Tabasco. It's nineteen times hotter. <laughs> but it's but it's also really? better. It's, it's also better. It's sweeter, it's thicker. It has way more flavor. Yeah. So I'm all about it. Oh. I'll text him direct. I want some. That is awesome. Direct, uh, so Jack sent us a note with it. He says, Honey Hole Team, this is a fermented, fermented Louisiana-style hot sauce made from, scratched out the pepper's name, peppers, onions, vinegar, <laughs> salt. <laughs> Ooh, it, it, it's, I can feel it kind yeah. of like there's a residual. Although the uh, why are you sweating? <laughs> Close one. Although, although the ingredients and the process are similar <laughs> to your typical Tabasco sauce, this was made with Red Devil's tongue peppers, which is approximately nineteen. It, it looks like nineteen times hotter than a Tabasco pepper. The peppers and onions were fermented for two weeks before being cooked and blended with a vinegar and salt to create a sauce. Use in moderation, and I hope y'all enjoy. If you're <laughs> ever in moderation, <laughs> if you're ever in Tennessee, hit me up. We'll we'll get after some fish. Tight lines, your friend Jack. Now, hey, I'm not you very, need to get a towel. Your your forehead shining. Dude. I am I sweating. It, it uh, <laughs> you are sweating. Yeah, I am sweating. And we didn't even do that much. <laughs> no, we didn't. But it is very good. It's really good. Normally, hot things. Normally, if you eat something that's really hot. 
it's there's no flavor. It's just heat. But this was a very good hot sauce. Do you like hot sauce normally? Uh, if I'm in the mood, sometimes I'm in the mood to eat hot things, and sometimes I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want the digestive issues that are going to follow. I said that whenever you get a chance. Yes. Hey, Jack, I know you're going to listen to this. Put our logo on this and sell it as that, and I'm going to buy more. Oh, yeah, could, it's even it's even more special that he put our logo on it. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a picture of it and put it oh, on that, the podcast. Oh, that increases the price, Yeah, man. I know. Uh, it, it wasn't super cheap. <laughs> How much was it? I you don't have to share. No? It, it was about $16 after shipping here. Oh, that's... Not unreasonable at all. So no. what? If it tastes good, it, yeah. it, it, it that doesn't is, matter. How much that is want. awesome, though. Like, I would have that bottle with me and use it on everything. Oh, yeah. I like it way better than Tabasco. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, I was super excited, static from it from the get-go, wanting to try it. And so I said, hey, you don't have a label. How, how, did, we? how did you find out about How did you find out about the hot sauce? That Jack was making Because I'm friends with Jack. Okay. I do. I do think he, like, he posts about it all the time. Oh, does he? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just not seeing those posts. No, because he has a garden that he's like fermenting stuff. And oh, okay. Yeah, it's all done in his garden. It's all homemade, home fresh. It's really good. Well, it's like his stuff. Yeah. Jack is a really good dude. First of all, and uh, he moved to Tennessee probably a year ago, more than a year ago, right before the, the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, we miss you, Jack. Thanks for the hot sauce. We miss fishing with you, buddy. So is he from down there or Louisiana? He's originally from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. And he moved here for work mm. and then got moved again for work, is yep. my understanding. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. That was fantastic. I wonder... I can't uh, wait to try it. I know. I want to buy some. I wonder if we can sell this on our website. Will he sell it to us wholesale and we could... We, we have to we get can, FDA. We can... Oh, would we have to get FDA? $16 is yeah. wholesale, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's right. Hey, Joe, I'll get you. I'll get you a bottle. No, don't do that. I want to pay for it. I don't want nothing for free. You think you think I'm gonna give you anything for free? <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> he was hoping you'd send him a, been, He I've was hoping you'd give him a duck call. Duck call for some hot sauce, yeah. man. That's, oh, that's a trade. Cliff would man. be on the winning side of that trade. <laughs> yeah. Boom. I got you on that one. All right. Uh, let's do some articles, boys. Let's do some articles. Uh, do you want to do yours? first landon i can go first too because i don't have creature watch i have the how to i'll go first um i don't have a soundbite for this one mine and cliff stories are oddly similar but they are different stories so uh i'll go first this happened uh, about five days ago uh texas bow hunter killed when fellow hunter shoots him with rifle colorado cops say a pennsylvania man faces homicide charges after a texas bow hunter was found shot and killed friday in san juan national forest uh, first responders were dispatched to the trailhead on Friday morning for reports of a hunter who was accidentally shot. Um, it took the search party 10 hours to come upon the body of 31-year-old Gregory Gabsrich. Uh, he lives in Houston. He's from Houston and uh, was shot by another guy who was black powder rifle hunting with another man. Uh, the guy from Pennsylvania who shot him was charged with criminally negligent homicide. I, that's all I'm going to read. I mean, this this kind of stuff just makes me so angry. You have to know what you're shooting at. It blow, yeah, because like it blows my mind. Yeah. This has also sparked a big debate because they overlapped uh, black uh, black powder Not season really with yeah, archery sure. season, mm-hmm. um, and there's been some contentious debate on whether they should have or should not have. Um, regardless of what you say in that debate, you have to know what you're shooting at. I like Co- to think correct, that you do, so but hard. also 
I mean, you'd have to assume they were wearing hunter orange too. Uh, one thing I read in one of the articles that archers do not have to wear hunter orange. Interesting. Can I ask, rifle, where, where is San Juan at? Cause I, I don't uh, know. Southern Colorado. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it just Southern blows Colorado. my mind that even if they aren't wearing blaze orange, it like I know exactly 100% what I'm shooting at. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it'd be. Well, so... that's gun safety 101. Right. There's know what you're you're pointing at, and if it's pointed at it, be but expected to we, destroy. We read it. stories all the time. People just shoot at whatever moves. People get that, itchy. Yeah. It's just so stupid. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make any sense It's at all. so stupid. No. And then it puts a bad, what it does is it puts a bad name on hunters and gun owners because of stupid, stupid stuff like this. I mean, you just, you're deer hunting. I don't know if they were deer hunting or elk hunting or what, but there's a big difference between a guy in camo with a bow and a deer and an elk. And you have to know what you're shooting at. Yeah. That's all I got. Uh, no, I mean, I, I completely, it yeah. just, well, it happened a couple of years ago too with a guy who was trail running and he was wearing like bright clothes and he was actually moving and he got shot and it's just like, oh, it was know. a trail runner. Yeah. I just don't understand. I just, you have to verify. And there's another, there's another guy there with him too. You would think that two eyes on a target, you'd be able to see, I, you, we obviously don't know what the story is, but. It makes me question that hunter realistically, like what his motives were, what he was doing. You well, know. just I just we we read stories all the time. Nah, I People think his, just shoot I think it. his intentions are probably pure. I'm not going to attribute motive where there's not motive yeah, yeah, attributed, yeah. but it you do got to know what you're shooting at. Yeah, when you're wh- why would you trail run in what you know is the middle of deer season, elk season? Can you pick somewhere else besides where you know there's hunters? I, that, that's that, just a question. That story man. that that story happened in Europe, I believe, and this was a couple of years ah, ago. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. I gotcha. And, I, and I don't know the specifics if it was like the hunter was out of season or if it was the middle of the day when hunters weren't supposed sure. to be shooting. I don't. I, I can't remember sure. what it was. Understandable. Um, I, I was just. It was just a question as to why what that guy seems out of place yeah that's what you would think yeah yeah no i uh, it's just frustrating to read stories like that it's just frustrating to read stories like that well here's a i'm not gonna say any better but similar but also not an accidental kill what are you reading what's the story so a boy, they didn't say how old he was, but it is a child, a yep. juvenile. Do I have no, a I'm not going to. I, I don't think it's a button worthy. Okay. One, a a child in Jefferson County, which is near Dittmer, Missouri. Uh huh. Oh, that Jefferson County. Okay. Yeah. Uh, killed a man with a. They say a bow and arrow sh- shot. In the news article, but according to the the family and everything, a forty year old male was trying to steal a family's tractor and wood splitter. A child was on his way to a deer stand at approximately four ten Friday afternoon. I mean, this article is brand new. Mm-hmm. Uh, headed to his deer stand around four ten in the afternoon. Came across a man trying to steal his family's tractor and a wood splitter, and the child called him out on it. So it's not like an eight-year-old. It's probably 12, 13, right, 14, 15, right. somewhere in there. Sure. 
uh, called the man out on it. The man proceeds to run towards the child. And so the kid launches an arrow, shooting and eventually killing the man. The man died from his injuries, but right. the injuries were caused by an yeah, arrow right. going yeah. through him. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy. I mean, good this is for in the, Missouri. It also was, I read that article too. Um, and I was actually going to bring that article until we texted earlier and you said, I'm doing this article. I was like, well, I'm not talking about that. Uh, but I also said in the article that uh, there were repeated attempts by the boy to tell the man to stop. Yeah, so it, it wasn't just like, like a, it wasn't just go. like a, I see you pop. Good. It was he, yeah. the guy was legitimately running towards this. I'm yeah. going to say a teen. Yeah. Uh, how about, how about he's standing his ground? I that, mean, that's, that that's what it will come right up. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the child has not been taken into custodies and no trials ha- no. charges have been filed. Good. The boy called his dad to kind of let him know what was going on. And I the would dad too. rushed home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be like, I I a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely call my dad. <laughs> uh, they do have an attorney. An attorney uh, deputies said multiple other recent thefts at the property are still being investigated. So they think like this might not have been a one-off. Gotcha. Like the the outcome was a one-off situation, but they it think this had before. been going on. Gotcha. Mm. Well, it'll go before the grand jury, and they would they should throw it out. That ends it for me. Yeah, an adult running at a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Zach, what article do you have today? So, guys. I'm going to teach us how to survive a hippo encounter. Okay. So. <laughs> it happens all the time, though. Know, this is such a what? common at occurrence. The zoo? Such a common at the occurrence, zoo? guys. Hey, you know what? We're fishermen. We're in Are, the water. Wait, aren't hippos one of the most dangerous animals anyway? They are. They kill yes. more people per, like, capita or yes. whatever than just, like, any other Any wild other animal. animal? Okay. Yeah. Okay. More than bear attacks. More than bear attacks, Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. And we cover bears all the time. So. Right. So, clearly, this is the more pressing, you know. Yeah. For us in the United States, a hippo attack is more pressing than bears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So, the first thing is respecting hippos' space in the water, right? So, if you see a hippo, steer clear of it. Hippos are territorial. They become aggressive whenever they see something they don't know. Uh, do not attempt to travel down waterways that are choked with n- numerous hippos. So, mm. just stay away from the hippos. Uh, a hippo's yawn is actually a warning sign that you're too close. Is really? their yawn silent or do they make noise? It's deadly. I thought it's because they were tired. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, I thought it was because they wanted a watermelon. You know? Yeah. Hippos eat yeah. watermelons? Yeah. yeah you have you never seen those videos? Like the zoo. The guys, the zoos are tossing watermelons. They I always thought them. they just ate little marbles. <laughs> <laughs> little marbles? <laughs> like yeah. hungry, hungry hippos. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Avoid hippos in shallow water. Everyone should know that as a defensive tactic, hippos prefer to stick to areas where the water is deep enough for them to fully submerge. If it is forced to be in shallow water due to drought or territorial disputes. (laughs) Terrorist organizations. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it, ISIS. Territorial. Yeah. It will feel vulnerable and lash out. So, if you can see the uh, the hippo's ankles, avoid it at all times. So, the moral to this story would be don't climb the fence at the hippo exhibit. (laughs) But if you do, 
alert them to your presence. <laughs> Slap the water. Use a paddle or a long stick to strike the water as hard as you can. Let them know that you're there. Wave a white flag at them. Exactly. <laughs> and number four, if a hippo does yawn, it is not tired. You need to retreat. It says reverse course immediately. And now, is, this, is a hippo an animal you run from? Because, you know, bears, it's like stand your ground, be big, make a lot of noise. Is a hippo, like, going to chase you down? Or if you flee... It will chase you down. Okay. And they actually have a speed of, like, 40 miles an hour. Oh, wow. 40 miles per hour? Yeah, a hippo... I can't run that fast. You're not outrunning a hippo. <laughs> no, like, I the hippo figured that they were, you. like, frumpy and slow. No, hippos can be fast. Uh, it says stay to the inland side uh, because... I don't know why. It just says stay to the inland side. It has a picture of a hippo. Uh, look out for poop. That's how, this is how you, like, avoid hippos is you look out for poop. Okay. You stay inland. Uh, okay, if it does charge you, run for cover. Oh, 45 kilometers an hour, 30 miles an hour. Okay. But we still can't run 30 no. miles an hour. Uh, so it says hide behind trees, maybe a rock, maybe climb the tree. Uh, let's see. Eventually, it should give up on the chase, but it should is, like, underlined. So is that 30 miles an hour like a sprint, or can it maintain that speed for a distance? Uh, it just says can I don't want to find speed. out. Yeah, because I mean, as something tells me it might run fast, but is it only running fast like ten yards and then be like I'm tired? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like for a while. I don't. I think... can't imagine they have very good side to side mobility. So if you're able to like, if you ran in zigzags or something. zigzags would be the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And finally, beware of hippos in mating season. Uh, just like all <laughs> creatures, they get mad. I thought we said no bestiality. No. <laughs> oh my gosh, Cliff! Oh God, here we yeah. go. Now we got to cut yeah, it yeah. out. Okay, <sighs> I got it noted. Continue. <laughs> yeah. That's hey, it. so you have to know what hippo poop looks like. Yeah, yeah. Here it describes it a little bit. Uh, they look like patties. well, the zookeepers keep that out. Why are you worried about it? <laughs> They say that their poop can sometimes be sprayed over a wide area <laughs> rather than a neat pile. Oh, so like a like the stall in a high school boys' locker room. Yeah. They say that hippos actually use their tails to spread their poop around as they excrete. Yeah, they're so, killing me, man. So, they poop when their little tails go like back and forth like a fan. It's, so like, it's like a like, windshield wiper. <laughs> exactly. It is just, it's just flinging the shit. There's got to be a video of that somewhere. Oh, there is. Have you not uh, seen no, one? I have not seen these oh, videos. Oh, man. The hippo flinging poop videos are great. Joe, we'll, we'll find a video and send it to you. <laughs> That's like a goose pooping through a keyhole, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Look, That's see? 10 seconds no. of my life I'm works. not getting back. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it poops and the, the tail's just flinging it all over the place. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, the good thing about your article this week, it wasn't as bad as the one that we did, that we that you did last time. Because you're doing the Wiki How articles, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's probably someone, you know, that doesn't spend a lot of time outside or has never seen a hippo that writes the article. Yeah, for sure. So the one that we did last time, which was Bears... Coyotes. Coyotes. The coyote one was, I think a lot of the information was obviously written by someone who had never seen a coyote before. For sure. This one I think was a little better and not anything that was obviously like that. Well, is there's nothing stupid. that we can say to like refute it because yeah. we that's, know zero about yeah. hippos. That's true. That's true like, no, no, that's wrong. That's not what I would do with my yeah. hippo encounter. Yeah. 
At Cliff, do you want to see the flinging poop? I think I've seen the videos <laughs> uh, on the God. internet way too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't want to see a YouTube video of that, okay? <laughs> All right, Joe, I think we're ready to uh, do our move into our interview. Okay. I'm going to pass it over to Cliff so you can look at his beautiful face now, and uh, we'll get right into it. They said yours was beautiful to begin with. <laughs> his mom. <laughs> All right, so not Cliff's yours. Go ahead, Cliff. <laughs> My wife. That oh, okay. <laughs> and your mom. I, she probably had she probably had way, dark wayfarers on when she met you. <laughs> it was during her uh, Ray Charles phase, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Joe, Joe was doing the back and forth with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before this gets off the rails anymore, Joe. Yes? Let's interview you. Uh, How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. So we've... Uh, Actually, I'd like to start with a question. Since you have begun talking with Cliff about coming on the podcast, how much money has he spent ordering <laughs> duck calls from you? Uh, I'd have to look. I mean, I might calls behind, and I think two of them are his. And we're fixing to be three behind. Hmm. It's that uh, many sorry, he has nine. to look. That many. This summer, your next adventure is waiting for you in Colorado. Here, dreams feel bigger, and everything shines just a little brighter, no matter where you are. Whether you're relaxing in a quiet mountain town or exploring a vibrant city, new discoveries are waiting for you around every corner. Come to Colorado. Come to life. Learn more at colorado.com slash summer. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at Cox, C-O-X dot com slash contour. Uh, well, <laughs> let me put it this way. There are some people that, I uh, mean, more. the guy named it himself, and I stuck with it. He's a call whore, you know? Yeah. I, I That's not being, saying anything bad. He's not calling me that. I didn't say that. He's saying another customer. No. Called you another that, called customer himself did that. that. Oh. Not Cliff. Um, Would you call yourself that? <laughs> I, I kind of have become yeah. one. Yes. Uh, what, it seems like one is not enough. Well, they all kind of do different things uh, for the most part. Yeah. And then I have, I have kind of tilted a lot more towards like focusing in on like my mallard stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Joe has made is making me <laughs> two right now. And then I have his uh, his till call, mm. which is what he's world famous for. Okay. Uh, here's your Bodark barrel. That looks the inserts good. up here somewhere. If you saw my desk, you'd flip out. But it's here, I promise. But I reached out to you, I guess, when did I buy the till call? Probably about a month and a half ago, two months ago? Yeah, before till season. Sorry. It was before like, till season. And, uh, yeah. I was looking for a good till call, and he was came highly recommended, so I reached out to him, 
and we just kind of started talking then. He seemed like a great guy then, and then uh, – I am. We are <laughs> <laughs> I, I reached look, out to man, him. Look, man, it, look, it's just simple. I uh, I learned something a long time ago. If, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. That is true. That is you, true. I think you have that written on your uh, Instagram profile yep, as well. Yeah, that's Mark Twain. That's oh. Mark Twain, and I live by that. I mean, uh, I've told you, any of these calls you have problems with, FaceTime me. Uh, I will work you through it. I will. I, I just retuned a guy's call two weeks ago on FaceTime, and he was in Florida. Yeah, I you will. Know, I, I mean, that that's just insane. I will yeah. say I haven't had to have a customer service like warranty claim on anything yet. <laughs> But his customer, his customer service, <laughs> his customer service, and being a, a good dude to talk to has been top notch. Like I, but I look forward to seeing his name come across my phone because it's like this is going to be forty five minutes of pure joy. <laughs> well, man, look, I'm not working right now, so I got to get all of this out of my system when you call. Yeah, um, I mean, I was on the phone an hour before you, you know, with a doctor and. B Cave, Texas. And so he and I were on the phone an hour before you, and I said, Oh, I gotta go. I'm fixing to do a podcast. I gotta go. <laughs> so, two questions we asked all our guests. The first one is, How did you get into hunting? Uh, I was three or four. Uh, my dad's from South Louisiana, didn't speak English till he was six. Did he speak French? Um, yeah. Straight French. The only way they started speaking English is when they made them go to school. And the nuns, anytime you spoke French in school, the nuns would beat it out of them wow. with a ruler, with the metal edge Man. across your knuckles. Um, my pa had, and I've told this story before, but I love it. Um, my pa had a 65 Impala, and he knocked the, the lock out of the trunk. Okay, and I always got to ride with Paul, but he would put four pointers in the trunk. That was a kennel back in those days, mm. and he'd leave about probably four or five inches gap in there, you know. And I'd ride with Paul and listen to these dogs wail all the way out to the bean field. And um, so there was my dad, his twin brother, uh, their baby brother. And another uncle, and they all took turns. When I got tired, I would say, I'm tired of walking. And one of them would just grab me and pick me up. And whoever was shooting, those three, my my Paul never carried me because he was running dogs. So shooting quail. Mm. Uh, so when they shoot a cubby, I would switch. I would go to another uncle. He'd piggyback me. And if I was good throughout the day, we would go back to Paul's, Paul and Gimon's, and uh, I would. they would line up the cans, and I would get to pull the trigger. You know, that's how I got started. That sounds like and, it's exciting for a kid to be able to go out with your dad and his uncles, and at the end of the day, 
probably super exciting to be able to pull the trigger. Right? Shoot all their empty. Oh man, <laughs> I, I just put I put my finger in one ear and pull the trigger and turn away from it. You know, I said, did I hit it? Yeah, you hit it. So that yeah, it was a lot of fun. And to watch those guys and realize now how good they were with a with a Winchester pump. Uh, and shooting four tens, that's man, that that's that to me now. I mean, that's something I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's one of those memories that sticks, and I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't forget it. Yeah. It was fun listening to the dog wail all the way to the field. By the time we headed home, there the whaling was over. It was nap time. They were they were done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how I got into it. The other question we always have: What's one of the most memorable hunts you've been on? Other than the story you just told me, because you said you'd remember it forever. But uh, what's another memorable hunt that you've been on? Um, I was supposed to. I I went with the guy that broke me in the in the goose business, and. Uh, I was going down to help him set a spread, all right? It was Christmas Day evening, and we went down. He had a he had a hunt after the 26th, all right? So when I get there, the guy – I worked for Los Gonzos at the time, and uh, Sonny had this big poop-eating grin on his face, and he said, I'm so glad to see you. And I said, Sonny, I have no dog, no dog, no decoys, no gun, no shells. I'm here to help Tracy set a spread, which in those days took four hours. I mean, we're, we're setting 500 shells. Mm. Okay. And he said, okay, let's go back to it. He said, you don't have a gun. There's an A5 upstairs. Those are the old A5s. That's all I shot. Uh, there's shells in the office. There's rags in the shed. And you get to hunt Ty. Nobody hunted Ty except Sonny. I said, ooh, I get to hunt Ty. That's like, that's like a treat, you know? And, uh, so I said, okay. He said, you have a sports rider. And we shot. And back then, we could only kill five white geese and two dark geese. Um, we shot 10 pintails and 25 dark uh, light geese in about 45 minutes. They were in, he said, look. I said, Sonny, nothing's right about this hunt. I said, it's clear as a bell. There's no wind. I said, it, it, why don't you put this guy off? And he said, it'll be okay. You're going in. Those geese have been in there for two weeks in uncut rice. It was about eight, 900 acres of uncut rice, mm-hmm. and the geese were in there. And like I said, we shot 25 geese. A collared goose, a banded goose, and uh, we were out of there in 45 minutes. No kidding. I mean, I grabbed that spread up and I put out 600 rags 
we were done in 45 minutes. I picked them up, and we got out of there so I could get back in it. And uh, that's probably one of the ones that sticks out besides maybe one of the illegal hunts, and I don't want to discuss it. Well, we'll move on from that. <laughs> yeah, we won't go. <laughs> I'm going to pass, pass it back to Cliff. All right, oh, Cliff. there we go. Hello, Clifford. What's up, man? Uh, so, it's all good. <laughs> so you're... You own JB Custom Calls, which is out of Cove, Texas. Um, yes, sir. You're a local, well, kind of local guy, local legend uh, to an extent. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So I, I think uh, you, you you told us you grew up in South Louisiana. No, 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 no. Just your dad did. No. Right. Okay. I was... Here's what I tell people. I was conceived in Louisiana and blessed to be born in Texas. <laughs> gotcha. Okay? My mother was from North Louisiana. There, the old home place is two miles from where they shot Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. Okay. So you got North Louisiana and you got a South Louisiana daddy. So... Figure that out. My mom was a school teacher, by the way. That's how they ended up knowing each other. Gotcha. She taught school in Church Point. Gotcha. And she wasn't a nun. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have to be in any of those kids. You know what I mean? So how did you uh, get into making duck calls and calls in general? Because you make a, a variety of them. How many different calls do you I make do. now? Let's see. Duck. Three goose calls, a crane call, and the teal call. Uh, so six, if you want to call it that. And I'll go ahead and say it now. We've got a seventh one coming, which is a gadwall call. And know this, we test everything the season before. And I've already told you to put one of those behind for me. Yeah, it's here somewhere. <laughs> I can't find it at the moment. but. Um, we test everything before we put it on the market. We don't, I don't come up with something that sounds good and then send it out. Okay. It's, it's really good. So seven calls is what we have in the line. You can call it a spec call, which is number one in goose, snow call and Canada call, which I sell very few of because we don't have Canada's here anymore. And if I go on a Canada hunt, I carry a Tim Grounds. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, if we're shooting cacklers, I make one that's a cackler. You know, bumblebee calls, what we call them, bumblebees. You know that that's really it. I mean, and two of them are freaks of nature. One was a crane call, and one was a teal call. Mm. They just happened. Now you're, you're in the blink of an eye. Hey, Joe, so when you started making calls, was there like a yeah, need yeah, in let, the market? Let, let, go that way. Oh, we got to switch Clifford. the camera. <laughs> go that way. <laughs> was, there we go. Okay. When, when you started making calls, was there uh -huh. like a need in the market? Because I know there's a lot of duck callers now. I don't know when you started making, but was... Were, 06. 06. Did, was there a need that you were trying to fill when you got started? I just found that there was... Some of these calls coming out, they're just, they just, man, they're, they're all about production. 
And if you look at my Instagram title, it's, uh, you know, quality before quantity. That's why you won't, you won't find me in a store. Uh, uh, most people learn through word of mouth and me on Instagram. And uh, that's the way I run it. I didn't mean for you to move over there, Cliff. If you don't like him that much, move back. <laughs> it's all right. It's it just better. makes it easier. It just makes it easier. Land doesn't, doesn't smell that bad today. And every once in a while, I'm going to poke um, my head in through the middle of them. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and uh, that's seven. I won't count the eight, which is, oh, yeah, here's your insert, by the way. And I'll put it in a... This is what will be the Gadwall call. Nice. Let me see I'm backing up. There we go. So it's it's hard doing everything one-handed. Uh, burnt boat art, just like the teal calls, and a clear acrylic insert. And the boat art takes the pop out of the acrylic. So simply said, the best results we had last year were one guy hunted two weeks every day by himself and shot 84 gadwalls with it. And he said, there's no such thing as a gadwall anymore. Mm. No such thing. <laughs> he said, as soon as they start, and you know how they do, they kind of drift off. When they go to drifting, he'd hit them with about three notes, he told me. and Right back in they came, and he shot 84 by himself. He shot six gadwalls a day for two weeks. So that's saying a lot, especially when you're passing on teal after teal after teal flock just so you can shoot big ducks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's saying a lot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the TCA I came up with in – 2015, it was it was a fluke, uh, simply because I had a I had a friend of mine that plays MOB, and uh, at the time he was playing for the Marlins, and for some reason he left his his lanyard here, and I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll dust everything off, get it cleaned up, and get it ready for season, and. Uh, I thought I'd screwed his insert up. And I said, wait a minute. Let me put two reeds in it, which 99.8% of what I make are double reeds. And if you use the tip of your tongue, they're going to stick. You got to learn how to, how to blow the right air. Right? So I ran back. I, I put two reeds in this and ran it for 20 minutes. I said, man, this thing is a cat's ass. And that's what we named it, TCA. And uh, <laughs> ran, ran down to the machine shop. Honest to God, this, that's what happened. Ran down to the machine shop. I said, how long do you take you to change the geometry? He said, oh, about 10 minutes. I said, all right, I'll wait on it. And I came back and cut 70 of those. And I, I make five different tone boards in duck. And that's the only one we sell anymore. Honest to God. I mean, it's 
it has you can blow high notes you can blow low notes you can blow creamy quacks you can blow cut feeds on it it doesn't matter whatever you're looking for in a cadence is what it can do simple as that and what are you doing with sunglasses on man i'm not they're my regular reading glasses Oh, now I see. Now I see the. the uh, I thought I was going to have to go get my Ray Bans. <laughs> like a Blue Brother for a minute. Back to the Gadwall call. That's not going to be yes, avail- available until Big Duck season starts. Correct. Yes, and uh, we're we fine tuned it. The machine has come over here and worked on my machine for I don't know, probably three hours, and said, "I've got enough. I can take it back." And uh, they build a lot of parts for shells, so that's most important. And I said, I understand that. Uh, you know, when you get time, do it. And uh, the way they machine it or the way they G-code it for a CNC uh-huh. is uh, it takes time. It takes time to fine-tune it. And... Uh, you know, we cut every, hang on, let me see if I can do this. There's the CNC machine. So that's what we caught, cut every tone board on. Uh, it takes three minutes. Three minutes of tone board, and we either got a TCA or a Gadwall or any of the four, the original. Uh, which is as close to, and I was told this by the guy that owns it, is as close to a um, ICU-2 as you can get. And I was, that's a compliment I'll, I'll never forget. Kent Cullum is a very dear friend of mine. Rick Dunn is the one that made me get this, this uh, CNC. And I swear to you, when I tell you this, I it sat in the box for three months. I scared death of it. I was cutting them off a jig, mm. but not anymore. Yeah, it just, I'm sure that's way easier. Oh, time man. less time consuming. Well, I I can put a a insert on the jig and turn a barrel at the same time. You know, and every three minutes, I know a sound that comes around, and I go, okay, I got to go over there. I got to put another insert in, mm-hmm. you know, while, and it gives me three minutes to do something else. You would be surprised what you can get done in three minutes <laughs> yeah. when you're dealing with duck calls. Yeah. Um, when I first started dealing with CNCs, I went to visit uh, Rick Dunn who owns Echo, and uh, he said, uh, it's you're way past cutting them off a jig. It's time for you to get a CNC. And uh, Rick has been a huge, huge help when it comes to making duck calls. Uh, he and Kent Cullum both, and Dave Gasson. Dave Gasson is a, Huge, I mean, just a 
big mentor to me. Um, he's fun. Uh, we cut up on the phone a lot. He's in Alabama. And uh, he's still cutting calls off of uh, Alvin Taylor's jigs. Now, if you don't know much about Alvin Taylor, go to eBay and look up some of his calls. They're anywhere from 600 to $800. Oh, wow. Um, so Dave's still cutting that type of call. And Dave is salt of the earth. And, uh, you know, Dave's cutting off the same jigs. Mr. Taylor left them to him after, you know, he passed. So, uh, you know, Dave's a good man. If you want to have a comical conversation, you need to talk to Dave. (laughs) He is, he is really just, He's as good as they come. Him and Rick Dunn and Kent Cullum, all three of them have helped me tremendously. I I can't say enough about those three. Hey Joe, I gotta. So I'm somebody who I've actually never duck hunted before. Um, I am what gonna the duck, hell? I'm gonna duck hunt for I'm, the I'm first time to, this year. Trying to bring him into the fold. No, he's bringing me into the fold. Never it's, been either. It's not a problem. I've never been either. So what um what would your advice? Be to beginner duck hunters when it comes to calling. So let's say I, I want to start duck hunting. I order a call from you. What is your advice from there? How to get started? What I would tell you if you've never duck hunted and you decide that you think you're good enough to call or you want to get to that point, uh, buy a call, FaceTime me. FaceTime me is amazing, man. I tuned uh, a call for a guy in Florida two weeks ago on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Literally, there's there's a set of exercises. You see this? Mm-hmm. You know what that LS means? No, I don't. It don't mean this. Okay? This means learning stick. So if you ever come to the shop and I tell you do something and I tell you twice and you don't get it. <laughs> you can't get the learning stick. You get the learning stick. You got it, Clifford. I like that. Clifford, the big red dog. You get it. And and I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of dents in that bat from people not listening. All right. Now, and, and it's simple. It's not something. I, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter sent me a text one day. And said, "Dad, you're just too mean." And I said, "No, I'm not. I get their attention, and then I, it's like automatic. It happens." Now, Joe, you said that you had a list of exercises you get people to do. To, to learn, would you mind telling us what those exercises are, or are they kind of like a secret? Absolutely. No, they're not. No. I learned this from, from listening to Butch Richenbach. Um, Butch Richenbach, every year from R&T, would take a group of eight-year-olds during a duck fest and say, okay, here's your deal. 
go hut, 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 tuka, tuka, tuka. That's all they could do on the stage during World, right? So I expanded that and went hut, 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 so you can get your air from the right position, and which is your diaphragm. And when you go hut, you'll feel your abs. What you get is you're driving that air from your diaphragm, and you're so your diaphragm is your gas tank, your larynx is your gas pedal. So you have to hold that pressurize the air with your larynx. I mean, most people come in here in the beginning and they can do 15 or 16 single quacks, okay? I go, okay, let me show you what happens if you pressurize the air. And I do 35 or 36 single quacks and hold it with your larynx. I tell people all the time, think of it as the worst time you were ever constipated. <laughs> okay? And so you go, <gasps> and you take that deep breath. What's holding that air in? Probably steak. Simple. It's your larynx. You're holding that air with your larynx. And when people come in, I take a bat and I push it in their gut. I said, now, tighten up your larynx. Can you feel that? Can you feel that pressure? Now, ease it out. And that's that's how we start. And once people catch on to that, it's like I can see the light bulb go off. Okay. I can see it. And that's where we start. And you do five single quacks. Okay. Hut, 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 hut. Then if you get those with no issues, then you then you go to two. And you do two. Then you go to three. Then you go to four. Then you go to five. Now, Anywhere in that sequence, if you screw up and um, voice messages will help you tremendously because it has a frequency meter on it and you can tell if your quacks are consistent. Mm. Um, once you get that down, you've got control of your air. And you learn how to go hut, 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 hut. That's when you can do that. If if you know one note, just go hut, hut, hut. I mean, if you're really new to dunk hunting, just single quack it, but do it correctly. Not from your chest, from your diaphragm. Mm. That's the key. Okay. I don't know what's wrong, guys. I can't see y'all at all. No, the, the camera's not working, but we're getting great audio, so we're going to roll Okay, with good. But that's okay, because I don't like seeing y'all's faces anyway. <laughs> yeah, we ain't that good looking. <laughs> uh, what What would you say is your most uh, 
popular call? Is it your till or is it your spec? Because I know you sell a, bo- a lot of both of them. Um, I would say the till call is probably really popular. The spec call really, really good. Um, and I, I'm not one of these guys to brag, so I don't. I let everybody else do that. And then the crane call. The crane call was a real freaking nature. And uh, <laughs> once I got the tone figured out, I've sold them all over the country and in Canada as well. It's it's been really nuts. So on we, the crane call, we got a question from somebody. Um, they asked, <laughs> "When are you going to make a spoonie call?" <laughs> and I know who sent it, <laughs> and the answer is, "I'm not." Contact Ramsey Russell for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, he's been killing me over this deal, making a spoonie call, but I make things that I use. A, number one, I become a conservationist when it comes to spoons coming at me, and I conserve shells. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Especially after about December 10th because they go to mud and crustaceans and I had a, no joke, I had a dog uh, back 30 years ago that uh, (laughs) a 300 yard retrieve on a spoonie and this guy was so excited it was a you know it was a bull spoonie and full plume and uh, <laughs> he, there was no doubt he was going to make the retreat i didn't have to move him i didn't have to do anything that time of year by about christmas they are they're pretty obviously stink, you know. Yeah. Um, there, there's no doubt your own spoon. No doubt whatsoever. Is that due to just their diet, or is it just a combination of a bunch of stuff? Because I've noticed that as well. Well, they're really good up until, you know, somewhere between the eight. And the let's say the fifteenth of the, of uh, December, and then they just they flip. They turn to crustaceans. They'll eat minnows. They'll they'll eat anything. Mug, and that's I mean all you got to do is take a spoonie and flip his breast feathers up. And uh, it's pretty obvious gotcha. if he's on crustaceans. Hey, Joe, what's your favorite duck recipe? How do you? What's your favorite way to prepare? Um, I got a couple, but I like putting them in liquid, uh, liquid uh, smoke. Let them soak for. 
two days, and then I'll wrap them in bacon, piece of white onion on one side, uh, jalapeno on the other, wrap them in bacon, throw them on the pit. Then I eat the bacon and throw the duck away. (laughs) (laughs) Joke, joke, but I swear to God, I've done it. My wife doesn't realize because she says, "Ah, I'm not going to eat duck. And she thinks I've taken, you know, ribeye or filet and I've done it like that. I don't put cream cheese on them. Um, but she goes, duck, duck. And I went, yeah, and you ate four or five of them before you realized it. So um, that's my recipe for any duck. You can say you put them in gumbo. Uh, spoonies and snow geese I've eaten in sausage, and it's pretty good mm-hmm. when you mix it with uh, pork. But, um, I mean, that's the way I've cooked it, always. I always and just like to do them as steaks, like breast it, breast it out and then just cook the breast as a steak. Right. Just like whole cut on the grill. Well. Pan fry. Okay. If it's any puddle duck, I will do that. If, if when you come to a spoonie, or any uh, diver, those are fetch ducks. Those are for working a dog. <laughs> gotcha. I won't. I won't eat any diver whatsoever. Is that just because um, they're more fishy and nasty in taste? Oh God. Um, we left the ranch one day, and I opened up the freezer, and we had. 125 blackjacks, bluebills, ringnecks, if you want to call them. Um, I said, what are you going to do with these? He said, train dogs. It's a perfect train dog because you can't tear them up. You know, I mean, they're, you can't breast them because you can't get the skin off. So, um, that's that's my deal on that. I I do not in any circumstance do uh, do any diver. If I have a diver, he becomes a fetch duck. Mm. Back to talking about your your tail call. I know that it's a little bit shorter. Is there a special way to hold it, or is it the same way as any other duck call? Index finger. That groove in the bottom sits inside your index finger and your thumb. You pretty much close that. You don't want it wide open because you lose the tone. So the best thing to do is kind of hold your middle finger, ring finger, and little finger kind of loose on there. To where, And I'll show you. I'll prove it. So if I open this wide open on my hand, all right, so if we go to close it to get the tone, 
That's the difference. Gotcha. That's a that's a big big difference. Yeah. Yeah, the closing um, it up that definitely produces a little bit more of the quack and the the raspiness the tone, you look man. for. Yeah. It's the tone, dude. What look, in two thousand ten and even before, you'll get a till hen in the decoys before shooting time, of course. And she goes, and she's talking to all these decoys and nobody's answering. So and it stuck in my head and I field tested the first one that I made and 14 people there it is in the blind and uh, they they couldn't hit a bull in the ass with a bass fiddle to be serious. <laughs> um, God, they were horrible. Um, but the first one, there it is. There it is. I field tested. So we came to a conclusion that it was too loud. So. That was too loud. You couldn't blow it at them because it was too loud. And then we ended up with that tone right there was what I was looking for. Okay. And when I found it, I never looked back. So, Joe, uh, what makes someone who is just getting uh, into ducks or calling, what should they look for in a call? Because I would imagine that, uh, you know, I don't – Cliff's let me borrow some of his calls to start practicing. But as Borrowed? a newbie uh, – Not rent? <laughs> I I couldn't – I wouldn't even know where to begin to look. I mean, Cliff got us connected with you. You've convinced me to order some of your duck calls. But what – what what should someone look for when they're at a store, duck calls on the shelf? All right. So, all the majors, uh, RMT, uh, Echo, Zinc, those guys, they, they tune a call for the masses. So, what you've got to know is when you get one of those, there's a spot on the tone board that you've got to take a little off of. And everybody's ears different, right? Mm-hmm. So if you take a little spot off the tone board and shorten the read to fit you, then that's that's a whole lot better than what they sent you to begin with. Unless, in my case, you have a world champion, that two-time world champion, that tunes your call that you get from them. And I don't know not, but, I mean. Uh, are, you a, are you a two-time world champion duck caller? No, no. I have a David St. John. Ordered a uh, new call 
just for my collection. And uh, David tuned it and knows what I like. If you were ever come to the shop, there's two boxes full. <coughs> That's an Echo Double Reed Timber. Uh, it's beautiful. It's really good. It's effective. But that's it's a shelf queen. That's what I call it. Mm. Um, now, would I use it if I went up in the timber? Sure, but I can make can make one that's uh, you know, the thing about TCA is you can get everything that you want to out of it. And what I mean, you can, you know, you can blow it. Bear with me. You can blow it high. There we go. Hail moment, you can blow uh, premium quacks. You can get soft on it. There's, I mean, you name a note you're looking for in a cadence, the TCA will do it. And uh, I, I've I've never looked back from the first day I made the first one, which was really what I thought was a screw-up for a friend of mine that is a pitcher in Major League Baseball. And like I said, I took it down to the shop. They said 10 minutes. And I came back and cut seven, 60 or 70 of them. And I couldn't make a bad note on it. I mean, I can... I can work at it. That's not something you want. That's what you want out of a call. Okay. And you, if you compress your abs more. That's just an old Myler hen sitting on, sitting on the levee. She's happy. She's content. She's sitting there preening, cleaning up. I mean, it's, it's insane. You know, and I, uh, when I got that, like I said, and I blew it for 20 minutes and I said, this thing is a cat's ass. And so I put, <laughs> I put TCA on it and never looked back. Um, like I said, I make five different and that one is by far the best we make. So Joe, what, uh, what are the big differences between a custom call that you make versus a mass produced call? We tune it to you. If you get it, 
and it doesn't fit, I will, if you don't know what your air is, I will tune it right down the middle. And most people are good with that. Um, if you know what your air is and you're able to come by here, it's a whole different animal. You can come by here, and I mean, uh, the call that won the, the, uh, oh, whatever it was in 2009, David Short blew it. Um, that's one of those where we clipped off basically a 64 till we got the tone. Literally. A 64th at a time. Uh huh. And when I, when he hit it, when I tuned, when I cut that last 64th, which is very small, um, and he hit it, I said, that's it. Don't go any farther. Mm -hmm. Which was as simple. You put another read in and recut, but, I said, that's it. Yeah. Don't, don't change it. Went out and won the world, uh, what was it? The world, not meat. It was uh, where you had to blow a mallard, a widgeon, a teal, uh, and a pintail. So he won it with that. And, uh, it was good, and that was for PCA. Yeah. No, you that's know, and now that that's cool. That uh, you know, I think that's awesome that you will help people and help them tune it because I can't imagine uh, as nice as you've been to talk to and everything, but I can't imagine going to like a big box store and buying a duck off the shelf and no. calling no, their the customer calling their customer service. And then them being able to help you to your duck call. My first time talking. You're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. My first time talking to Joe, uh, we had exchanged messages on Instagram and he said, hey, call me. And so I lined up a time to call him. And I was actually out here and uh, closed my door, the garage door and everything. And I said, sorry, I had the garage door open. I was tuning some calls. He said, why the heck do you have to tune your calls? And I said, because I'm not getting this, the true sound that I want out of them right, right. now. And I right. told, him, told him what it was, and he said, well, what you need to do is throw rocks <laughs> at it and order one of mine. And then that's when I started yeah. going down his train. And was that joking? Yeah, was that joking? No. No, I mean, I ordered both, the, I mean, both those calls, and, I mean, they haven't come in yet, but I'm looking forward to them. <laughs> Oh, you're going to go like that. Okay. <laughs> I got your role, brother. I got it. So, hey, Joe, we, we've kind of, we're we about at our time. Uh, is there anything that, no, we, going. We haven't, going. <laughs> that we haven't covered that you want to talk about your calls or duck hunting in general? Um, like I said, I, I started 30 years ago guiding, and just kind of slip back in this business, not on purpose. Uh, I was making calls and sold a hundred in the first 90 days. 
Oh, wow. And I went, I'm on to something. And we went from there. And my dad and I were at a uh, rocker show. And business-wise, I was playing a lot of golf. So I had some tendon problems in my elbow and needed something to do and started turning pins and next thing you know I was making bell calls mm -hmm. and we ran from there by the way Cliff here he is that's your boat art I'm looking forward to the boat art I wish I could see y'all so I could show you the hand action. Um, there's a lot of difference between what I do and what a lot of people that come in here do. And I take that away real quick um, because it's it's just a back pressure deal. <laughs> Um, very simple, very, very easy to learn, but it's like muscle memory in a in a golf swing. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know it's very simple to learn, but it's you know you're used to opening your hand. And all of a sudden, you pull up one finger versus your whole hand. And your bottom two fingers hold that back pressure. <laughs> Think about this. You're in the seventh grade, and after lunch, you had a class, and you had to fart. <laughs> okay? I'm serious. Okay. I say this, and people get it. Okay. So you go... <laughs> That's just a part running up the crack of your ass. Okay. <laughs> and that's how I practice printing quads. On every call that I make, I make sure that it does that before it leaves here. Honest to God, I do that. Honest to God. Oh, Joe, that's great. <laughs> Hang on. That's just Cliff's call. Let me show you what happens on mine. If you can't remember pinching off a fart in class because you didn't want to be embarrassed. That sounds like Salisbury Steak Day to me. Yeah. 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 Or Taco Tuesday. Hey, so Joe, <laughs> if here. if someone wants to order a call from you, uh, what's the? Do you have a website that we can direct people to? No, absolutely not. I quit using my website. I only use Instagram. Uh, you can always email me or text me. You want my number? Yeah, put your blaster number out there, and we'll put it in the notes. 
832-262-0271. You can find that on Instagram as well. And your Instagram I have it pulled up is JB Custom Calls. That's correct. Yep. Perfect. You can always reach out to me there. The website became a real uh, pain to manage and still keep making calls. Uh, and I like to keep somewhat of control over it because I don't want the wrong people to get their hands on it. The little guys ended up being the R&D of the big guys. And they will copy yourself in a second. Mm. In a second. I'm not kidding. That's just the way I do it. I don't mind selling less calls because what you'll find on my Instagram is I do not brag about things. Uh, that's the way I was raised. You let somebody else say, hey, I bought this call and it is the deal. Mm -hmm. It works. And uh, so that's, that's the way I handle it. No, um, no, no, Joe, I think I think that's great. And I think it's awesome that you've built this up and you run the business the way that you do. And we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. We're sorry. No, absolutely. We're sorry about the connectivity issues. We'll get hopefully we'll get those ironed out in editing. And uh, yeah, you pause me on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> we we can't thank you enough, Joe. And we also appreciate your offer to help us out with uh, fundraising for rural recovery. So we'll oh we'll, no doubt we'll talk no to you doubt. soon. And I'm gonna order. Uh, Definitely a crane call from you. I'll, I'll message you from my personal. We do have our our first crane hunt is in December. Is in December. Yeah, I've never shot a crane. I'm super. It's on my birthday. I'm it. super pumped. Are you going to Lubbock? Oh, of we course. We're going, going to Red Raiderland. We're going to educate Everyone. Cliff. Go to Plainview and don't look back. I have a friend of mine that has forty-two sections north. A paladura and nobody hunts it. And I said, Well, I can handle that. <laughs> I'll be glad to take care of that for you. <laughs> so, um, uh, it's been a lot of fun with you guys. If you ever want to do this again, by all means, call me. I, you know, I enjoy this. I'm going to have to take a drive out there and hang out with you in person and get you to do some lessons with me and all right. tone it so, all out. Are you an engineer? I am not. Good. Because the last one that was here was here for seven hours. <laughs> but he brought a good bottle of Balvenie, and I said, that's mine. You stay over there and... Uh, I'll educate you along the way. <laughs> I can bring you a bottle of, of Balvini or something. We can have a good old time. I promise you, you need to get this red breast and try it because uh, it might put old McGregor's to shame. 
Well, uh, I'll I'll definitely put that on my list. Yeah, we'll pick one up for the we'll podcast. Pick one up and be yeah, listening. do that. Uh, I don't think you're gonna you regret it <laughs> for sure. Um, Can you send me but, a picture of that bottle just so that I get the exact same one? You know, throw some money at it. Try the fifteen. Tell me how it is. <laughs> but the twelve is absolutely phenomenal. Promise you. We might have to just. We just might have to do that. We'll we'll figure something out. Well, Joe, we're gonna cue the music. I think you can hear it. Um, we'll we'll stay on and chat with you all, for a minute. All three guys. All three of you guys are welcome here anytime. And what you get when you buy a call from me until the day I die, you, I will return for free if you need some help. You can always come here. Any of that. Okay. Well, we we appreciate that absolutely. And uh, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna message you pretty pretty soon about getting some calls from you. You want a crane call? Absolutely. You can start making it. Oh, well, that's easy. All I've got to do is get two parts and some reeds, and we're done. Okay. Let's do it. Next time, maybe if you do me again, we'll talk about the guitars. <laughs>